everybody! Welcome to a new episode of the podcast where we ask the question... Oh, yeah. 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 Remember the aunts? I do. Tom does? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I'm Courtney. And I'm your I co-host am... of the show. And I am Thomas. Tom is here today, too. And on this podcast... We talk about all things from the 2000s, from Pokemon Snap to the new Pokemon Snap. Oh yeah, did it? It came out, right? It did, and there are some criticisms, and I don't care, and I still want it. Like I, I looked into it because I love the original Pokemon Snap. Me too. And like, it does kind of seem weird that they never made another one. And it's yeah. apparently because the original game was not made by Game Shark. It or is that oh. the company that does Pokemon? I don't know. Well, like the usual Pokemon house would constantly be like, "When right. are you going to be making another Pokemon Snap?" And they were like, "Well, we didn't make the first one." <laughs> they were like, "Get off my back, yeah. Jesus Christ!" It's one of those like I think it's one of the only Pokemon games not made by the official like Pokemon team. It was, like, made by some, like, offshoot studio that was just, like, there was a time in the 90s when, because the PlayStation was blowing up, and what the PlayStation did, I think, a little better than Nintendo, was it threw money at weird projects, and those projects would take off. And Nintendo was like, we have our classic library that always does well, but we don't have, like, weird. So I think they just Mm. bought, got, like, a, like, a, like, a group of, like, just, like, a group of, like, ragtag team of artists and just threw money at them and said, make a game. Right, right. And they failed, like, several times until they got the Pokemon Snap. Yes. Um, the new Pokemon Snap game is by Bandai. I feel like that sounds about right with the rest of the Pokemon games, but maybe the first one was done by this subsidiary or this other group, mm-hmm. and then they were finally able to get it into their hands. Um, I love Pokemon Snap, and I watched the Honest Game trailers for it, and it had a lot of criticisms, and it was poking fun at like not how much has changed in the game, and I'm like, I don't care. You can keep, keep insulting it. I'll just want to buy it more. It just seems like it was a formula that works. Why? Like, I know that they did take out... Um... I remember in the original game, you can throw a thing to bother the Pokemon, and they removed it from this game. They're like, we don't want you to just bother the Pokemon. Why not? They're, they're fine. Yeah. They have supernatural powers. I don't have supernatural powers. I'll throw something at them if I want to. Fair. That's totally fair. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited for it, and I really want it. There was, like, a lot of criticism for it not having any new features. And I'm just thinking, if it's good, just leave it alone. I don't need much from this. I just need the esoteric feeling of being on that little gurney and taking pictures of Pokemon. That's all I need. I don't need any fancy new features. That's where Kingdom Hearts 3 screwed up. They did too many features. Mm, okay. So just... Just give me my camera and my apple and let me go take pictures of a Pokemon. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So, Courtney. I wish we could do the stickers again, though. Yeah. Oh, yes. That was a cool thing. Yes. Like, what, what is it? I think yes. we had to go to Blockbuster to get those printed. 
Yes, yes. Yeah, they were awesome. What a time. All right, Courtney. Yes. Imagine, if you will, it's 2009. We graduated high school. Let's do some fancy time warp. Yeah, imagine a simpler time where all pop music was party hits. It was just Mm -hmm. all party music. You know, it was California girls. Tonight's going to be a good night. You know, like. I've got a feeling. I got a feeling. I, oh my God, side story. <laughs> on, our, on the night of our graduation, our friend got dumped. And to be honest, uh, it was a long time coming. <laughs> oh, that's right. It was on graduation. Oh no. It was on graduation night and I tried to cheer him up. I felt so bad. We all, everybody, like not even just in our graduating class. I just mean everyone in the world probably knows somebody who got dumped on graduation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although looking back, no one should have felt bad for him. It should have been like a, we should have all collectively been like, if you don't learn your lesson now, you're right, going right, to do right. it again as a 30 year old. Right. But like with only the context of knowing somebody who got broken up with on their graduation night. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I tried to cheer him up and I turned on the radio. I'm like, let's, let's hang out. Let's play some music. And then tonight's going to be a good night came on. And he just looked all sad and was like, Tonight turned out to be a miserable night. Tonight's the night. Let's live it up. And he's like, I'm so sad. Let's at the party. Everyone's having a good time except for him, but that's not my problem. The, our problem now is it's a it's the year of the party song. I think that's a fair thing to say, right? Like the next few years, like our early college years was littered with party music. Yes. And I realized how there was such a great shift in the 2010s, like 2009, 2010, party years, party rock. Kesha is, you know, climbing over people's fences and to crash their parties at their houses. And then over the 2010s, you can sort of see the shift into more serious pop music that people are listening to now. Oh, yeah. But back in our day, we're like living it up. Pop music is weird and terrible and tacky and fun. And sometimes catchy. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pretend like some of it didn't catch my ear. I mean, it's not good. Yeah, totally. Right, but like, right. Shots, 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 shots. LMFAO, that's a whole thing to themselves. They're their own thing. LMFAO is such an interesting small period of time it's like the fold but instead of the fold it's just party rock mm-hmm. and there's bright colors and zebra prints everywhere yeah <laughs> and stunner shades it seemed like 2009 no one had any ma- like society collectively for some reason was just like everything's great let's party there's n- everything's yeah like we had convinced ourselves that everything was solved no racism <laughs> Yeah, yes. Everything, sexism is gone. We beat it, baby. Forget fighting in Afghanistan. Who needs that? We're on a boat. We're on a boat. Too I'm on mean. a boat. Um, I think also a big part of it, and you mentioned Black Eyed Peas, was that the album before the one that became really popular in 2009, that was their huge push into mainstream pop culture they were already producing music long before that but the album they came out with before the one in 2009 was really what you know made them big 
and then come into their second mainstream album, which comes out in 2009. You've got I've Got a Feeling, Boom Boom Pow, I think that's the name of it. Yeah. Right? Those songs are just everywhere. Oh, yeah. All these songs are party hits. 2009 was the party year. We all just just partied. But what better song to exemplify a very specific moment in life, especially for us, oddly enough. This was literally our year for this. Yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. 2009, we would get... Honestly, this is another one of those songs that truly fits as like a one-hit wonder. And there's a lot here. I love this story, actually, because it's there's there's the drama. There's the drama Me in this too. one. Yes. And it's all around a villain we can all hate collectively. There's a villain you know? to the story. There's, a- there's no complicated hierarchy here. We've got one person we can blame for this. And it's great. A hundred percent. And that song yes. is 2009's. I Love College by Asher Ruff. <laughs> Drink my beer and smoke my weed. But my good friends is all I need. Pass out at three. Wake up at ten. Go out to eat. Then do it again. Man, I love college. Hey. I love drinking. Hey. I love women. Hey. Man, I love college. <laughs> Even just sound, saying his name sounds so douchey. It does. Um, I'm not going to lie. In the time that has passed since I Love College came out, I genuinely thought that it was made by Mac Miller. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. I, I know it wasn't Mac Miller who sang the song. It's just that when I thought of I Love College, Mac Miller's face is what came to mind in the music video so i was very surprised to go back and watch the music video and be like this kid looks like mark zuckerberg this is not mark miller mac miller at all and then i realized that in some ways because of asher roth like very shortly after that's when mac miller did kind of start his run in the mainstream media oh yeah this is the episode we'll clearly speak the most authentically on about our experiences in college because this totally described the experiences we had in college. And we were just so <laughs> cool and partied all the time. That was our thing, you know? So, like, we really resonate with this song. I lived this life for four months <laughs> out of five years yeah. of college. Five years and <laughs> only four months of it was anything like this. Right. Um, I genuinely dreaded any party like this. We went to one upstate. Oh, God. And I wanted to burn the building down, basically. Oh, my God. That was so... That that night was awful for a number of reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really bad. Yeah, I wanted awful. to leave so badly. It was awful. Um, I hate frat parties. I I've been to once... some good house parties, but there's definitely, okay. like, a vibe and a feeling that these yeah. like college house party frat parties definitely have and it's just that one that night i mean everything about that night was just terrible for context of the yeah. listener uh courtney yeah. and i did a trip upstate in 2010 went to visit my lovely ex-girlfriend who had we sort of uh knowingly drove into disaster well, That's you, the only way I could describe it. You sort it. of knew. I had no idea, except I did. Oh, really? Like, I okay. subconsciously okay. knew. Like, I think subconsciously I knew. 
but part of me was like, no one's this cruel, right? <laughs> I think the worst part about it was that I think I think you thought, okay, if Courtney comes with me, this won't happen this weekend. Yes. And then I was like, I think this is going to happen this weekend, regardless of my presence. I don't know why I'm coming. Oh, it was, it was also 100%. I think it had to happen that weekend because the party was that night. Yeah, yeah, it, it had to happen, right? She at least, they had a deadline. She at least wanted to make sure that she fairly broke up with me so that she can go to the party for the for the nice gentleman that was there. Um, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I got... <laughs> so, like... Okay, okay, go ahead. So, go ahead. so... <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, those the, 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 the that relationship was already like gonna fail. Like, it was gonna fail. But I tried yeah. so hard. I was like, I could save it. And then, yeah, I you thought in my so mind, far. in my mind, I was like, no one's this cruel. It'll be fine. I just have to. Like, I kept thinking, like, if I act manly and woo, if I really pull out all the the cards, it'll work. You know. And that's where it went wrong, Tom. That went terribly wrong. You know what? These life experiences are important. We learn from them. Yeah. We also learn, like, like, it's weird to think that even in that moment, I didn't realize how shitty that situation was. It took me a long time to look back and be like, yeah, what she did was really shitty. Yeah, it was really shitty. (laughs) She kind of sucks as a person. I'm leaving this all in, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, she's... well, we have to talk about it because personally, my only frat party experience was that night. And I just remember standing in the middle of a room and being like, I can't hear anything. If you have sensory processing issues like myself, a frat party can be the worst place to be. <laughs> Especially when you don't know anybody there except for two people who are now not talking to each other. <laughs> And then, suddenly, I get pushed over because a couple are making out with such force and fortitude that they need to find a wall immediately to, like, push themselves up against. And I was like, I need to get out of here. And then, oh no, the only house on the block that is making any sort of noise, the cops are called and we all have to disband. What a surprise. Who would have thought such a thing could happen? Oh, and also, you're giving that couple too much credit. They could have just met that night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They could not even know each other's names. Hey, no they hate were like the couple, to them, but that right. party was They garbage. could have been the couple in the Bad Day music video, for all we know. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Oh, man. That episode's being pushed today, too. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right, so why does my college breakup story come into play? Because this song is about college. You can tell from the mm-hmm. title. I mm-hmm. love college. It's quite a um interesting reflection on the cultural expectations and norms of 2009, where we all just wanted to go to college and go into crippling student debt. Oh, you worded that really nicely. Yeah, that's exactly what happened at the time. Everybody was still like pro-college. If you wanted to do anything with your life, you went to college and then you took out a lot of money. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And this song and music video paints a picture of a very specific college lifestyle oh, yeah. that I never had. <laughs> Fun fact, because um, I remember I was watching some interviews and this this song was huge mm-hmm. with like MTVU because this is when MTV launched MTVU, which was like... Oh, that's right. To be played at college. I remember even my university, which is barely a college experience, had MTVU playing on the TVs. It was like this program specifically meant to air um, and create content and news for college students. And it would play, mm-hmm. it, it was kind of a brilliant idea. And I don't know why exactly it failed. Maybe they just didn't adequately like... Maybe they just didn't want to continue funding it, but I actually work with people who were a part of that. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. I know people who used to edit content. Well, the funny thing that people don't actually know about MTV is they put a lot of effort into their research. I've had classes where we actually break down certain academic articles that reference MTV's research. Really? Because they do a lot... Of, yeah, they do a lot of work into figuring out what kids are interested in. Um, unfortunately, okay. Viacom is equally a mess. Yeah, Viacom. Yeah. <laughs> remember remember when Viacom spent a lot of money on a really bad movie about an alien inside of a monster truck? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That movie is very popular overseas. That movie is... A lot of people like that movie... Who are not from the U.S. It's called. Mo- I'm sure some people still do. I but. think it's just called Monster Truck, right? I don't know. I <laughs> I remember seeing a glimpse of it over multiple small TVs when I was on an international flight, and I was like, "Wow, people are really into this movie." That's weird. Yeah, but so MTV creates MTVU. Yeah, MTV. This is also the same time that jersey shore oh is becoming huge so partying 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 yeah party culture was just that was what people cared about at this time right like oh my god can you even remember 2009 like literally literally 2008 iron man came out we just like this was the like we were just like thrown into this like what is 2010s gonna be like it was it was a weird time i think that's what it might have been was this hype for the next decade in this new millennium, right? It just felt so new and so fresh, and Obama was our president, you know? Everything seemed exciting and hopeful. Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah, it was such an interesting time, and it's like this song, of course, blew up, but this song also kind of... We can get into the stories of it, but this song, like, painted an Mm -hmm. image that would, like, kind of limit Roth quite a bit and the villain the villain is not asher roth by the way Mm -mm, but it might be asher roth's fault that taylor swift can't get her master tapes see that's the interesting thing because i don't know exactly Mm -hmm. what you meant by that i was convinced it's all scooter braun but asher well it is all scooter braun but also yeah sorry go ahead no, oh, because you're saying Asheroth's success led to Scooter Braun's success, and that's the reason? Exactly. But then also, wouldn't Justin Bieber also be equally to blame? Well, Justin Bieber kind of has been to blame a little bit on different things. But yeah, like, you can blame Justin Bieber for a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, he just cut off his dreadlocks, thank God. Oh, good for him. Yeah, Change thank you important. for just having... 
the smallest amount of understanding of what you did. All right, so, if you will, I can give you a quick mm -hmm. summary about Asheroth, the man himself. Yes, please. So, Asheroth, he was, uh, he's from Pennsylvania, Morrisville, Pennsylvania. He mm -hmm. was a middle-class white kid. He went to Westchester University, and I remember listening to an interview where he, I think around 16, he just really got into music and really into hip-hop and just started working on rapping. He was a baseball player, but then gave it up to pursue his feelings for music. He did not complete college. He dropped out to pursue this career. Uh, sophomore year, he posts some of his demo tapes on MySpace. MySpace, Mispachi. MySpace. So that's where really... Yeah. MySpace, another example of like where music kind of just took off. Do you know any more details about this time? Um, I do know that his major, from what Wikipedia says, is uh, it was elementary education. Yo, that was mine too. <laughs> okay, okay. That blows my mind because I'm just picturing this guy as a teacher and I, I just can't see it. Can you picture me but, as a teacher? That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. I can't picture Asher Roth as a teacher. But um, what what was very interesting to me about him showing his music on MySpace was that he just personally messaged Scooter Braun. Yes, the Scooter Braun. And in our MySpace episode, we sort of talked about how there is this direct connection between you as the listener and the musician and it's even more clear that it, it's just it's such a crazy thought to think that someone who is such a huge figure in music, he's basically, I would consider, and if you agree with me, please feel free to confirm, he is like the Elon Musk of music industry <laughs> at this point. So he directly sends him a message, and then that's how things start happening. Yeah, Scooter Braun... I can give a quick little background about him. He is, we know him now as like a big media proprietor, manager. Like he has, he is like one of the biggest names in the music industry for good, for bad reasons. For good? <laughs> like he's made a lot of fucking money and not a lot of it, you know, not, a lot of it is not what we would say honest. Like not, not to say he committed any criminal acts. It's just, how, do, how would you put it? Exploitive. Exploitive, yes. Yeah. So Definitely. But, like, he kind of got his start, again, in hip-hop and was just, like, doing, like, organizational things for, like, hip-hop events and just kind of worked his way into wanting to be this producer. And God, it's I so slimy just his, thinking about that kind of person. It's so weird to think his first two acts, because he almost lost it all. He put all of his, all the cards, all the chips into this hand. He had Asher Roth and Justin Bieber. Right. I believe he was working as a marketing agent at the time. And maybe the sense of partying is a backlash to the 2008 recession. But around that same time, this guy is broke. He has nothing. Right? Scooter Braun. And his only acts are a 12-year-old Canadian who posts videos on YouTube and Asher Roth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so to bizarre to think about that from who he is now. Yeah. It's weird right. to think, like, Justin Bieber is technically a YouTuber. Like, technically. Yeah. 
But. Also, Justin Bieber's early career is so strange to me because there was that whole issue in our hometown mall where he was supposed to show up and there was like mass hysteria among like 10 year old girls and then he never actually went. Oh, I was there. Yeah. You were there? I remember because my, my sister... reaction was way too big to that. I just I'm sorry. Yeah, continue. That's fair. My sister was a fan of Justin Bieber. I had no fucking clue who sure. this kid was, but I remember being asked to skip school to take her to the mall. And I remember pulling in and being like, what the fuck is happening? Like, it was literally like the worst. Like, I, it, I've i never seen anything like it. I was stuck there for oh like God. two hours to not even drop her off, just to tr- like try to get out of the parking lot to get home. Oh my God. I'm so sorry if I just like created a trigger for you. No, you didn't. It was just, it's okay. bizarre. And then that mother, that fucking kid turned into Justin Bieber. Sure. And it, it's different because, like, when I was a kid and we had Aaron Carter, it felt like Aaron Carter was still just, like, being shown in, like, the child music circuit. It's not like he was going to be a huge hit on, like, adult radio stations. It was, like, more for kids. Yeah. Well, Whereas, like, that... Justin Bieber was, like, forced to be yeah. on adult well, I think Music it's also stations. a product of its time. Like, if you look mm-hmm. at someone like an Aaron Carter, there was clearly, like, old media music producing behind it every step of the way. Like, the management and everything. So they planned that out. Justin mm-hmm. Bieber and even Asher Roth and pretty much how this fucking Scooter Braun character gets his fucking fame was learning to use the internet. Learning to yeah. create buzz and hype. But that's the problem. Inexperienced management and not understanding how these things work. Justin Bieber, an internet star at this point, says he's going to mm-hmm. be at the Roosevelt Field Mall and there's no management to be like, hey, giving you guys a heads up, security, please, you know, we're coming, please schedule this thing. Nope, just we're going to this mall. Yeah, that's it. Nothing like here's a line, here's a table he'll be at, here's like a little stage that we set up, nothing like that. Just Justin Bieber present and girls hysteria. So basically at this point, Scooter Braun has nothing and he's sort of adapting this, I would only say, as a Jerry Maguire-esque approach yeah. to creating music business for these two artists. Um, Asher, Roth, Asher Roth said in one of his interviews uh, with Sway in the Morning that he picked up the phone from Scooter Braun and he literally said to him, this is the most important call of your life. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I was like, this guy is such a douchebag. I hate this guy. <laughs> yeah, Scooter Braun sucks. Yeah, stupid Elon Musk and music. But what's interesting <laughs> is that, like, so Asher Roth never, is it, like, we come from an era, like, white rappers were not super huge. We had Eminem, who was, like, an authentically good rapper with, you know, expressing authentic experiences, but, like, there wasn't like this mark, like there wasn't as much of like a place for it. And Asher Roth came mm-hmm. in and did something that I I kind of respect. He didn't try to recreate or pretend like he was coming from like, you know, this tough upbringing. He just played the role of the white suburban kid making music, you know, like which nowadays right. is much more commonplace and accepted. But back then right. it was like there was the stigma and image tied to it that you had to play, and he didn't do that. I think there was still some issue back then with Eminem's presence because of how he 
appropriated certain mannerisms and certain choices based off of a hip-hop culture that he wasn't already a part of. But, you know, then you have, like, the Beastie Boys, and the Beastie Boys were just there to be silly and fun, and that was fine because, like you said, it's, like, the authenticity. The authenticity is what really matters. So up to that point, you only really have Eminem as this person to like represent white rappers and then along comes Asher Roth who got compared to him a lot just because okay here are these two guys yeah but he really didn't like that comparison at all yeah like I will say this about him his music Mm -hmm. is weird it's It's weird it's definitely weird but it's It's him it's definitely him like especially his early mixtapes I think he used to do like didn't he do like a cover of a Lil Wayne song and that blew up on MySpace yeah, I was really surprised by that. So he covers Lil Wayne, but he changes the lyrics to be about how um, all of these rappers that people looked up to in the, un- in the underground scene and talk about hardships um, suddenly forget about helping those hardships once they've reached a certain point of success and sell out. Mm. So for a child rapper who is white from the suburbs to make that statement is a very bold move. Like, regardless of how you feel about a white kid making that sort of comment, it's a very bold move that makes people point their, like, turn their heads and say, like, what is this kid up to? You know? It's an attention grabber, for sure. Yeah. So it's definitely an interesting time. Um, Yeah, I wanted to comment on that comparison you made. Sorry, my Mm -hmm. brain just farted. No, you're okay. (laughs) My brain just died. Was I going to say something about Eminem? Maybe I was going to say something about Eminem. Why did my brain just shut down, like, all of a sudden? It's okay. I'm so sorry. Well, I was talking about Eminem and Beastie Boys and how, like, they were, at the time, really sort of, like, the only example of... Um, like, white people in hip-hop. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember what I was yeah. going to say. Okay. Scoot, I think it was at Scooter Braun. Somebody realized. <laughs> Scooter Braun. Someone realized that white college frat guys love hip-hop music. And they do. They do. Uh, they do. And there's no shame in that, but also there's just sometimes a little bit of self-awareness that can go a long way. Yeah. Um, But... And it's like this idea. And because like, here's the thing. I don't think it's weird when you look at Asher Roth himself and where he came from. It doesn't I don't necessarily even think I love college makes sense for him necessarily. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's it's sort of strange when you and we've been talking about this with the other one hit wonders. When you just look at the song and the music video itself, you're just deemed to think that's who this kid is. Yeah. He, is like non he's ignorant he's not understanding this is stupid the song is bad he's probably like a privileged privileged idiot like and he sounds stupid yeah. you know but then you find out that actually he wasn't really into this either no like this was entirely the making of scooter braun <laughs> right so he <laughs> scooter brought there's no other way to say that name right well there's an interesting thing that Scooter-Bron. even i didn't know this until like we researched it the original the original track used for the song 
is like oh, yeah. a sample of a Weezer riff from Say It Ain't So. Yeah. Say It Ain't So is a song about generational drinking. It's not a happy song. So it's really interesting that that was the original sample for the backtrack of I Love College because then it's sending a, a darker message that I think was more aligned with what Asher Roth was trying to do. We think, yes. Now that we know, yeah, now that we know a little bit more about Asher Roth and how he feels as a solo artist and like the kind of music he wants to make, doing the Say It Ain't So sample actually sort of creates this idea that like if you love college and you love drinking, you're actually just going to continue to pepper perpetuate this generational drinking. Which could have been an interesting narrative, but that's not the version that we got. Right. Vastly uh, different than what we got. Yeah. So with the with the iron hand of Scooter Braun, and I think this was Scooter under uh, Universal. Yeah, this was under Universal. Mm-hmm. We get in, we get released in. I think what was it April of two thousand nine? We get the song that we've been walking around and talking about. I love college, which again, perfect timing, because like mm-hmm. high school kids just graduating, getting mm-hmm. ready for college, because this song was played a lot over the summer and this is where I really want to get more into is like our personal antidotes of the college experience and did this song match our college experience or it definitely didn't (laughs) like like just so dumb and corny but let me let me because this song is quite something like even the video I think I heard right that's why like go ahead just out of context, looking at the kid, you're like, this Mark Zuckerberg looking idiot. I don't want to listen to him rap. Look at him in his stupid oh hoodie. I hate that hoodie. Like, it's bizarre because, like, I think I think uh, watching Todd and Shadows put it best. This song is literally just, like, staring at an image of uh, Animal House. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It paints a very stupid stereotype of what college is mm-hmm. like. And I don't know about you, but I actually sort of feared and ran away from any experience that was like that. When I first went to college, when I was a freshman, I definitely had no interest in any of this. Definitely not. Yeah. Uh, but then I became like concerned and anxious and feared that if I don't learn to like it, I would be alone forever. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I had the sensation that I think I was too self-aware of how hard my parents were working to send me to college, that it wasn't like I could risk something happening on campus, you know? I couldn't risk showing up to class, like, tipsy or buzzed the way some other people did. Um, But then also, I was just afraid of these sort of parties in general, um... I know one of the lines that you're going to get into is, I had this one girl totally naked. I was so, like, socially uncomfortable about being at a party. And then I remember my first college roommate was telling me, like, oh, Courtney, you have to come with us next time. This one party I went to, we were so drunk. We played Truth or Dare, and by the end of it, none of us had our clothes on, and we were all covering our bits. And I was like, I don't want to go to a party if that's what's happening. As a 30-year-old man so for me, who's been through a lot of yeah. parties, I promise you that this was not... But you know what it is? It's like, 
Nobody has to do this, but definitely when you're younger and yeah. especially in 2009 party culture, there was a pressure for shit like this to happen. Right. And then subsequently, because of my fear of these sort of situations happening, I was perceived as a weirdo who did not want to socialize with others. And FIT is a toxic place. Don't go there. <laughs> oh, boy. So I have the lyrics pulled yeah. up and I'm going to read them as uh, dry and boring as possible. Yes. Um, that party last night. Because he is very lazy when he says when he says it. Yeah, sorry, that go ahead. That party last night was awfully crazy. I wish we taped it, which that's an outdated term. I don't think we'd say we tape it. Right? Like that's a, like an old like terminology yeah. for when we used VHS tapes to film. I danced right. my ass off and had the one girl completely naked, drink my beer and smoke my weed. But my good friends is all I need. Oh, that's a little wholesome line right there. It's just good friends. Pass out at right. three, wake up at ten, <laughs> go out to eat, then do it again. This song's so stupid. First of all, ten is not that late in the morning. That's actually pretty reasonably well, early. Because he's got to go to class. Secondly, Right. Secondly, if you are getting up, eating, and then doing it all again, that is very early mm-hmm. to get it going. If the lyric was like, woke up at 12 and then do it again, I think I'd understand it a little bit better. So there's like a few things in the but, song I want to comment on. So um, yes. the next part, sip Banker's Club and drink Miller Lite. I'm not going to lie. Miller Lite's a reliable beer. It's a simple, light beer. It's fine. I'm, I'm At least he didn't say Natty Ice. I don't like Miller Lite. That's fair. I I think. That's okay. Um, Good. I can get a pizza a dollar a slice. We there's like we can have a whole episode about like late night pizza dollar, dollar slice. slice late night pizza culture like cold cheese pizza and all that. Hell garbage. yeah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> those words are right? upsetting. I hate cold cheese oh, pizza. God. It's dumb. It's so dumb. Like there's. But dollar slice is a thing I can get behind. Then what else we have? I am champion at beer pong. Uh, can we break? I'm gonna break. I'm. I'm just gonna say it. I think I've said it, but I've. It's that thing of like, even when you're younger, if you say it, you're the lame guy. I'm just gonna be straight up. Beer pong is boring. Beer pong is very it's, boring. It's probably the most boring drinking game you so could play. It's so lame. Yeah, I at least liked. I liked Kings. Oh, Kings was because fun, yeah. it. Kings was fun because it gave you an activity to do. And if I don't have an activity, I just won't drink. It yeah. just won't um, happen. Also, anything that... Because that's the thing. I think I I like things that encourage social interaction. Like that numbers mm-hmm. game that you showed me is a very good game. That I game love is numbers. fantastic. But like beer pong... I love numbers. Beer pong is... like Because you know the thing about beer pong is you also know the type of people that love to play beer pong. I think it's the type of yeah. people that are kind of opposite to me. They hate social interaction, mm-hmm. but can 100% get behind competitiveness. Like, I am not very competitive, but I'm very social. So I hate beer pong because mm-hmm. also my attention span is garbage. <laughs> so Same. Like, if I'm losing, I just yeah. want out. I'm just like, I, I want out of this thing. But I thing. think if you aren't great at socializing, but are competitive, beer pong might be like, a nice icebreaker to be like, 
yo, I'm winning at this game. Who wants to be my teammate? And maybe that's how you make friends. So maybe I shouldn't shit on it. That's a really I, good maybe point. Maybe I shouldn't shit on it, but but I yeah. just hated it. It was so boring to me. No, it's so stupid. I'm also really bad at it, and I, I do get oddly competitive. I'm a Leo. It will just click in when I don't want it to. So I'd rather play Flip Cup because Flip Cup isn't as long. It goes much quicker. There's going to be a winner, and I feel like that's a game I can win. So I don't want to stand there around a table with a bunch of cups and lose the whole time. Um, but I just, like, I didn't really play it as often as other people did. And I remember once uh, when I left college and we were, like, definitely, you know, having parties at our place. And I mentioned beer pong to my dad. And he was like, oh, you know how to play beer pong? Wow. And I was like, Dad, if you only saw me play beer pong, you would know how little... I played beer pong in college. Yeah. Oh my god. You would know that I fail at so, this. So, irony and fun sidetrack story, personal anecdote about my life. This song mm-hmm. blew up over the summer and we had a group of friends and I started dating a girl, the girl that did the, you know, terrible breakup. So, this song was very active in her mm-hmm. playlist and a lot of our friends' playlists, but what killed me, what killed Ew. me is like the song painted the image of college as this larger than life thing. And I think I even mentioned it to you the other day. Like, I watched that movie Accepted from 2007. Oh, yeah. Which was like, he makes his own college and they all just party and hang out and shit. There was Mm -hmm. definitely that vibes in the late 2000s into 2009, 2010 that like, I don't think you see anymore now. Like, it's definitely not that anymore, especially since it puts you in the crippling debt. Yeah, exactly. Um, The funny thing about Accepted that I just don't think would happen with a comedy movie now is the unbelievability of him pulling this off. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember watching that movie. Now the movie would just be stopped five minutes. Like, I got annoyed watching this movie because everyone was, like, mad at him. And, like, when they found out what he did, they got mad. Like, how could you do this? And I'm like, how could he not do this? He kept getting away with it. Like, this is incredible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you put so much pressure on him to get accepted into a college that he felt like he needed to fake an entire college. That's the most impressive thing. To make you happy. That's so fucking impressive that he just made a fake college. Like, I can't believe, like, that's the unbelievable part. That nobody stopped and went, Yeah. how did you do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That movie is truly about, like, the stupidity of adults just not paying attention to teenagers and not realizing that their child made up an entirely fake college. It was... Oh, my God. But, so, yeah, we fetishized... Yeah. There was definitely, like, societal fetishization of the party life and the college experience, and our friends definitely did this. But what used to bother me about it, Mm -hmm. they would play the song, hang out, drink, be like, yo... But then I'm like, yo, we're hanging out in a basement and there's five dudes where this is not the college thing. Right. right. And for me, it was like, I need to worry about my grades. I need to make sure that I'm doing okay. And also the thing about art school that is a little different than other college majors is that a lot of your classes are six hours long for half of the credits. And then there's homework on top of that. And it's painting homework. It's not just like, oh, I have to write this stupid essay about, you know, of mice and men. It's you have to make a painting. 
by next week. And every class is like that. So there was a lot of stress for me to just focus on accomplishing something rather than this other lifestyle that I think was more parallel with our parents' lifestyles in college. And maybe that's why a lot of this sort of college media became so big was because boomers were in charge of all the media and that's what they thought the kids would like. Well, you know what's funny is even that's kind of prevalent in the movie Accepted. It's literally the dad being like, this was my college experience and this is your college experience. And he's like, I I, I don't know. So he makes a fake school. That's an interesting point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, exactly. I didn't even think about that. And I think because I'm from the interesting view that my parents didn't really do that. Like, yeah, like they went, they okay. went, they went to community college for credits, but they didn't go to college. Like mm-hmm. they didn't, like, I remember even filling when I went to college, I had to figure out, like my mom was definitely a huge helping hand, but a lot of it I had to find out on my own. Like there was no like previous generation to be like, this is how you do college. This was me going like, mm. I, you know, it's fucking funny. I didn't realize. Okay. You're going to laugh at me. I, when I yeah. first signed up and I started college in the fall of 2009, I genuinely thought that the the semester was the whole year. I didn't realize that there was a winter oh, break Tom. and that I'd have to register for spring classes. I had no idea. No, no. So what happened to your spring semester? Well, somebody explained it to me and then I was like, oh, okay. Oh, so I was Tom. late to registering because I really just didn't know. I... I, I didn't, because people oh kept talking God. about winter break. And I was like, yeah, that's, I, yeah. I, I was like, yeah. It's a yeah, break. winter break, two weeks, I yeah. get it. But then I realized, like, it's a fucking month, and that I have to register oh for God. more classes. I was like, what? Yeah. It, it's crazy to me, too. Like, for me, it was the realization of, oh, you can't finish these courses in a certain amount of time without taking a summer course and then suddenly I realized summer is dead I am no longer a child and that was upsetting I think for my dad and my mom like they definitely had more of the college lifestyle and I I remember that when I was becoming a sophomore my dad was like oh are you gonna like pick on the freshmen are you gonna like haze them And I was like, no, I'm going to hold their hand and get them coffee because this is hard and it's exhausting. These poor little babies, they don't know what they're getting into. So I think that that's part of it is like there was this expectation, but nobody's telling you anything. Nobody's explaining it to you. And that's why you do things like just assume a class is the entire year, not just the semester. Oh my god, yeah. Like, there's so many things I didn't know until, like, I had to figure it out then and there. Like, how dumb am I to not realize that college was a fall and spring semester and you have to register for classes for... (laughs) Right. Like, nobody told me! (laughs) I think I realized that in high school because for our senior year, and we've probably touched on this a bit in the past, that... They really wanted to impress you by being like, for your senior year, we set up classes like a college year. Like, you get to pick, like, themed classes, and I didn't get any of the ones that I wanted. So, I was like, I guess this has just been chosen for me. Oh, my God, yeah. But it was kind of set up like that. Like, a course was only for half for half of the year, and then you'd start another one the other half of the year. I get that. So it's such a bizarre thing. Like our college experience, like 
I think my ex liked this song more than I did, and she was a senior in high school. Yeah, but I think that's probably who it was really for. It was for people who either embody that lifestyle or thought, okay, this is what I get to look forward to. Um, one more anecdote. Yes, do. I mean, yeah, this is so insane. I don't think I've mentioned this on the uh, cast before, but when I had started at FIT and like being just completely shell shocked because I had like mostly grown up with guy friends and you know, there's nothing wrong with having mostly guy friends. There's nothing wrong with having mostly girlfriends too, but, uh, to go to a fashion school was suddenly this world that I was not prepared for. I was not prepared for going out to parties or dressing a certain way or looking a certain way, carrying myself a certain way. And my first week at FIT, it really embodied the culture or attempted to embody some level of what I Love College is about because the very first week that I had moved in, there was a pink Hummer limo parked outside what? for some group of girls. Pink yeah. Hummer limo. And that's the moment that's the moment where I was like, I'm not in Kansas anymore. I don't belong here. Pink Hummer limo. There's been a mistake. Jesus Christ. Yeah. A pink Hummer limo. But it was still kind of different in the sense that like when you go to school in a city, you just have the city available yeah. to you. I love college, I feel like, does still gear more towards these schools that my parents went to, which is just, like, in the middle of nowhere, upstate New York, Ohio, like, just these places where, like, the campus is stretched out through cornfields, you know, because there's nothing else to do. Like, the small towns where the college makes up, like, half of the economy. Exactly. Well, I mean, yeah. like, I did experience more of this life when I lived in Albany. Like, I think that was my time mm-hmm. to be like, I want to be on my own, have my own apartment. I mean, it's different because mm-hmm. I worked instead of going to school. I did work, you know, at an internship. Right. But then, like, we went to parties, got to explore the bar scene. And I'm, I am grateful because it allowed me to escape the peer pressure of drinking terrible drinks. Like... There mm-hmm. is also the idea that, uh, Nat, like, fucking, we talked about it in a previous episode. Fucking, what's that garbage drink called? Four Loco was popular oh, around the Four same Loco. time as this song. Yeah, and Jungle Ew. Juice, too. Jungle Juice was out. Oh, yeah. 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 So, like. The font and the coloring of the Jungle Juice can is not much different than Four Loco. Oh, my God. Yeah. And also at the same time, like TikTok by Kesha is coming out, which I know was also played a lot at your high school girlfriends or she was in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that song got overplayed a lot in one party. Oh yeah, that I went to at her. You house. know what's weird about this song? It didn't even mm-hmm. do amazing on the Billboard. Like it was number twelve on the Hot Billboard one hundred, yeah. but it just was so. I think because it, it's target audience was so specific and like we just mm-hmm. happened to be in that age range where it was played around us all the time yeah but that's kind of like also part of its detriment and part of the detriment of Asheroth. like he gets pushed to do this song and i'm sh- and he even talks about interviews mm-hmm. he's talks about how they kept wanting him to make a i love college too like kept pushing for yeah. more songs like that 
Because his first album, which I think, what is it? It was called uh, Asleep in the Bread Isle, which was managed by, you know, Scooter Braun, piece of shit. Scooter Braun. Uh, I think after yeah. this, he moved on from Scooter Braun. Did, I think he was on Def Jam briefly. And then he, ever since then, because he keeps, he still makes music. It's just all of it is completely independent. It's just weird. Right. Right. But you can feel like he's more authentic. You feel like he's more comfortable in what he's creating now than what he did after I Love College. He comes out with a couple of hits. I didn't know he did a song with CeeLo Green. Yes, he did. Which just seems so strange that to me. That was very weird. Yeah, but you can tell in the music video, he just doesn't feel comfortable. He looks very uncomfortable. And so once I found out that he actually really didn't want what Scooter Braun was setting up for him and the career that his path was on. You know, Scooter Braun had kind of set him up to be like the next Eminem, and he didn't want that. And at this point, Scooter Braun is accumulating money. Justin Bieber is starting to finally make hits. But if it weren't for I Love College, Scooter Braun might not have made it, and maybe we'd all be better off without Oh, him. yeah. It's so weird how these worlds are connected. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. I remember I listened to an interview with Asher Roth and he was even saying like, because he said when he went, he was 23 at the time and he goes, you know, just morally, like he goes, I was a huge fan of like hip hop and making music. He goes, just morally, I didn't feel right continuing to push this narrative and make this image myself. Like that's not me and that's not what I want to kind of do. Right. And I appreciate that because when you look at Asher Roth and the I Love College music video, he looks like the kind of kid that could get arrested for smoking pot and then the judge lets him off because he doesn't want to, like, ruin his future. But meanwhile, like, if a person of color his age got arrested for smoking pot in college, it would be a very different outcome. I also remember, guys, this is 2009. Weed was not nearly as legal as it is now. No. So, like, to me, back then, just singing this song is, like, definitely, it's emitting a clear sign of privilege. And clearly, he didn't want to do that either. He didn't want to be this person. And, you know, you brought up the interview that reminded me of something he said is very similar to what Luma D said about her music was that they both really wanted that straight-to-consumer response. They both talked about how they wanted to use social media to hear directly from the listeners. They didn't want that third party or that other person to get involved. They wanted to make music that people can respond to and react to. Yeah, so separately, Asher Roth was like working with Scooter Braun. Scooter Braun's making money now, and he's... Like, I don't want you to interfere with what I want to make. So he kind of trails off and goes make, goes to make his own yeah. stuff. So where do we go from here? Asheroth. We talk about he does his own thing. Mm-hmm. He even has a he has a song with Travis Barker. And you actually, because I, I didn't right? really listen to a lot of his music. But you, yeah. you did check out, I think, the song was Flowers on the Weekend. I did. How was that? I did. Well, I just thought, why not listen to um, the most recent stuff just to see how it goes? And I think part of the problem, and Todd in the Shadows talks about this in his cover of I Love College, 
is that he can never fully establish himself as a comedy rapper. And that's fine if that's not what he wants to do. But when I'm starting the song Flowers on the Weekend, and he starts it with, your poo-poo is full of gluten, then I'm like, where do I go from here? How am I supposed to listen to the rest of the song with that as the jumping off point? And the rest of the song doesn't have a bad message. He's like rapping about his girlfriend bringing him flowers on the weekend and he how that's nice that's a nice thing to have with somebody and then he's like mentioning flower names i'm like oh i if this is the authentic vibe that he wants to go with i'm cool with that but when you start it with gluten in your doo-doo you're not helping me here now do you remember side side note do you remember i remember mm-hmm. of course my her first girlfriend introduced me to this song. I don't remember. Uh, do you remember a song, I Hate College? I tried to watch that, and I couldn't get into Sammy it. Sammy Adams released a song. I remember it obviously didn't blow up, but it was like, it spread around right. the viral internet. I don't get it. It's, okay, let's see. Ain't going out like a sucker. No way. I Hate College remix. I hate college, but love all the parties. So it's just the same song, except he talked about how much he hates going to school. Right. And also, Asher Roth ends the song with, man, do I have to graduate? And it's like, dude, don't worry. There are going to be lots of people who are going to grow up and also feel like they never left college, and that's a problem. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Well, we're talking about a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We're talking about a lot of people. Everybody knows this kind of person. Fuck you. <laughs> That's not who I was thinking of, but sure. I know yes. we we're talking about different people, but I'm just kind of like, fuck you. Fucking. You might want to bleep that out once we yeah, actually. Yeah, I will. I will like, get rid of this. the fucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, Does he it's listen? fun at the I don't moment. think he listens. That requires effort. Probably not. You probably have mentioned the podcast to him, and then he'll be like, oh, wait, you're doing a podcast? Yeah, he forgot. Um, yeah, yeah, there's another line. This is genius. This is true. Like, counter-argument, you know, artistic integrity, comparison, like, versus type of shit. I hate college, mm-hmm. but love getting laid. This song's stupid. I mean, he's being yeah, honest. at least he's being honest. This yeah. song's fucking stupid. <laughs> right. Yeah, I didn't care to listen to it because I figured it was, you know, there was such a range of YouTube videos around this time, and I think into the early 2010s, where... You would post a YouTube parody in response to a song that was really popular. Um, I remember there was one about blurred lines, and it was called Clear Lines (laughs) or Clear Boundaries or something. That was really funny. That's awesome. But at the same time, I don't really care to listen to a different version of I I Love College. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I wanted to point out in the music video, uh, when the part Mm -hmm. where he goes, chug, chug, which... Like, Ugh. how cringy is that? Like, actually, it does feel cringy. It's the, the worst bridge. are so cringy because it's literally just the bare bones basics of, like, chug, chug. I'm like, all right, I get it. You went to college it's party. Cool. the laziest bridge. But in that bridge, there's, like, two people chugging gallon of milk. So I'm like, what the fuck is this? I know. I know. I saw that, too. And I was like, that can't be milk in those it's milk. jugs. <laughs> they have Ew. milk. Oh. Um... Ew, that's gross. But yeah, that's the laziest bridge I've ever heard. And then he's just going, keg stand, 
Kig, Stan. I'm like, oh my god, please stop. Like, if you get past that point in listening to this song, you get a gold star. Oh, man. Where should we go from here, Tom? What, um, like, I'm, we've covered so much. Honestly, I think we, we did it. Uh, do you want to just talk yeah. shit about Scooter Braun for five minutes? Yeah. Let's talk about, um, shitty Scooter Braun. Yeah, just go full on Um, into how much of a piece of shit this guy is. Yeah, can I talk about Taylor Swift for a minute? Yes, please, tell the story. Yes! Okay, so, so what happens is, Asher Roth single-handedly, like, propels Scooter Braun's career into being a serious, like, music agent. Universal falls apart. This guy gets put in charge, and suddenly there's, like, a business acumen to the record label that, yes, maybe was probably already there a little bit to begin with, because we're finding out now, many years later, that so many artists have had issues with their record labels. But at this point, also, young, sweet Taylor Swift comes into the fold, and you are told, as a young girl... Just be thankful for what you've got. This person has it out for you. Meanwhile, she actually has no control over her original tapes. And at the point that Reputation, I think, is finishing up, she is realizing, like, I want to have control of my master tapes. Um, I think when Universal falls apart and Scooter Braun gets it, part of the deal is that he gets her master tapes. And, you know, as Reputation is coming out, as she's dealing with all these other personal issues and public issues, um, that's when it comes out that she is in this feud with Scooter Braun and is now leaving Universal. Or I think they call it something else, Big Machine. Yeah. And um, that's when she starts stating publicly, like, give me my tapes back. Like, they're mine. And when you think of Taylor Swift and the career that she's created, and also just the fan base alone, like, there is immense power in owning those tapes. And she tried to fight for them. She even offered to pay for them, which seems so degrading, but she was willing to do it to get them back. And um, they still said no. And I think during the pandemic, they had recently sold to a hedge fund of all companies to take them, which should tell you enough that hedge funds are shady. Yeah. That he sold them to a hedge fund for $3.1 million, I think. So now the a musician's own personal master tapes are now owned by what I just picture is like a league of shadowy figures at a hedge fund. Obviously, they purchase them for investment reasons. I'm sure they will only continue to grow in worth over time. And that's awful to know that like you don't have control over this behemoth music career that you created on your own. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, he could not have done any of this if it weren't from if it weren't for the success from I Love College. So, in a way, this one-hit wonder actually had a lot to do with Taylor Swift not having control over her own music. I won't give him the blame to Asheroth. Right. But I will say that, yeah. It's not his fault. Um, If anything, I think Justin Bieber... I just want to blame Justin Bieber more for this. 
That's totally fine. I think also that's part of the issue is that Taylor Swift um, felt a little betrayed by the people who are on par with her. Like when we associate similar musicians to Taylor Swift, Demi Lovato, Justin Bieber, they all still are very much on the Scooter Braun Oh, Ariana Grande also. Ariana Grande. And I think it's also kind of weird that like when he goes to these award ceremonies, they like have to sit with him. Isn't that kind of weird? That's very weird. Isn't that so shady? It's very shady. I don't like this dude. It grosses me out. No. Isn't it weird that the, so, the first person mm-hmm. to be like, this guy's kind of weird, I want out, was the guy who made the song I Love Collins. Yeah, for him, like you mentioned, for him to say morally and ethically, I do not want to continue like this, is a big sign. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, huge. And to think that this kid, this little kid, because I consider him a kid when he's making this album, for him to walk away and say, like, I don't want this life is a big step to make. It's huge. Yeah. But, you know, Taylor Swift has responded by completely redoing her albums herself. I think more power to her. It's going to lead to a lot more success. But, you know, it, I, I can feel the pain in, like, not owning your own things. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Scooter Braun's a dick. Yeah, I think the whole sitting, like, making your artist sit with you is such a strange thing. It's, it's weird. gross. I don't like it, because what gross. ownership does he have? Like, that, get the fuck exactly. away from me, you scum. Yeah. Let me go sit with my friends. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So, Tom, mm-hmm. let me ask you the question. Yes. Do you think... This song would be as successful today as it was back then. It sounds so silly asking no, me this question. It wouldn't. Yeah. 100% not. That we don't no. fetishize college and college parties anymore. I think the youth, like, we're in an interesting age bracket where we're like the halfway point millennials. So, like, mm-hmm. I remember we were promised all these things. And, like you said, the older generation kept f- giving us this, like, this is what college is going to be like. But then the economic yeah. crash happens to 2008 and we are at the age range where we kind of have to figure out on our own like how to manage this new economic world that's really built against us. Um, older mm-hmm. millennials uh, unfortunately had to enter the job force as the economic shit happened. But younger millennials right. and Gen Z, I think because they grew up in it, they don't like they're mm-hmm. still like a hype culture. There's still like a party culture. Like, don't get me wrong. That shit still exists. But if you notice, it's almost like, like as much as I hate these scumbags, and I'm not saying there's any legitimacy in anything they do, you almost have to brag about how you made it. Like, oh, I can party and I can have fun because I hustled and I made it. It's weird that the dynamic right. and the lingo has changed, whereas if you look at I Love College, it's like you said, it's like this privileged, goofy, dumb song, Lily, about like, can I just never graduate? Whereas like now... Right. A lot of these young influencers and hype beasts, like even the name hype beast implies right. I did this, you know, like I take ownership of the work I did. Right. I think in some ways, us little baby high schoolers agreeing to go to college right after an economical recession, weren't we all just little Taylor Swifts? 
listening to a grown up telling us this will be good for you and then really just going in blindly and having no idea that maybe we should take our own doubts into consideration. Yeah, just it's I don't think it hold, hold just, up at all. Like I think if anything, I'm no. surprised that it doesn't get goofed on when Gen Z makes fun of millennials. I'm sh- this would be Oh, it will. We're this starting is perfect it. ammunition, guys. Like if there's any totally. younger kids listening, I know you like to make fun of the Harry Potter and rightfully so, but just yeah. look at what us us millennials used to listen to for parties and just make fun of that. It's so dumb. Yeah, I feel like Especially because, like, there's definitely some excitement to go to college now, right? People are going back on campus. We're preparing to go back fully in person in the fall. I'm a little unsure of that. But, you know, people are excited to go back to school. But also there's been this whole year of staying at home. College partying life is not going to look like I Love College at all. No. I Love College was still part of that, like, everything's dirty because somebody threw up in that corner mm-hmm. can you imagine somebody throwing up at a college party now i mean it still happens at they tell everybody to get still out happens in florida state well yeah, <laughs> it still happens sure. in like florida you know what <laughs> cheers to florida for just always being florida yeah. like it's never gonna change and you know what it sticks to its guns literally quite literally, literally. yeah <laughs> <laughs> So I think we're on the same page that this song would not. Yeah. What's What's your thoughts on it? No, I agree. I genuinely think that it would be really funny to see a parody for Gen Z kids now after like a year of not getting to go to school because of the pandemic, staying at home and doing online classes and missing out hugely on an experience that maybe they were getting ready to have. It would be really funny to see a Gen Z parody of this. Yeah, I'm I'm with it. I'm down mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Um so Tom. Yes. What has been your weekly obsession? Weekly obsession. I started reading the Halsey poems. Very good. Yeah. Um otherwise I honestly haven't been doing that. I've reorganized my apartment. I built a lamp and I moved some furniture around, spring cleaning, feeling good. D- that's that's it. Did you go to Michael's? I didn't go to Michael's yet, no. Okay. Oh, I went to Monster that. Mania last weekend, and that was a lot of fun. Oh, Gave yeah. a shout out. On, of, How was it? It was great. I loved... The mm-hmm. funniest thing is that it was all outdoors. It was super hot, so seeing a bunch of horror nerds and goths all sweating outside was really fun. Oh, god! But um, honestly, to see some of these vendors again, to see the cool merch, to talk to the horror fans, just to be around people, and I got empanadas. Yes, I was so, it was, we always love empanadas. It was so good, and uh, shout out to the Haunted Hangover guys. I was on their podcast, and I shouted us out, and I said, listen to us, Woo. listen to us, follow us, like us, subscribe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We also might have some fun things in the works. Yes. Yeah. Why is my neighbor just throwing furniture? Like, they've been doing it all day. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. Like, I know it's audible and I'm trying to ignore it, but literally they just, like, what are they doing? They're just looking at their coffee table and are like, hmm, I wonder what it would be like if I threw that thing against the wall. Let's see what happens. Oh, that's what happens. I want it over there, but as soon as possible. Yeah, exactly. Um, How can I... How can I move this piece of furniture with the most amount of force and endurance that I could possibly handle? Yeah. 
Yeah. <sighs> but that is the episode, guys. Thank you so much. You've heard me talk about yeah. it already. Subscribe, like, follow us, whatever. Remember the Zero Zero S podcast oh. on Instagram and Spotify, Amazon, maybe? I didn't do my obsession. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. What's your obsession? <laughs> I didn't really have like a, a major one this week. But I did go down the rabbit hole after Asher Roth, and I found new. And it's funny because we talked about this with the Adam Schlesinger. Um, oh my god, oh my god, why am I uh like blanking on the band name? Tom, help me out. Um, Stacy's mom. What band? Fountain of Youth. Yes, found of Fountains of Wayne. Of Wayne. Um, wow, uh, I'm old. Um, I kept thinking the Dandy Warhols and I knew that was wrong and it just kept stumping me. Um, we talked a little bit about Bowling for Soup. Mm -hmm. And they actually came out with a new music video. And I have to say, I give total respect to it. It's called, um, Getting Old Sucks But Everybody's Doing It. (laughs) And... I, like, looked at the band, and actually, like, they've really grown up. Like, they're old, and, you know, they've, like, gained weight, because that's what can happen to a lot of bodies over time. Yeah. Um, but they wrote a song about how getting old is really hard, and they loved their punk rock days, and I just really appreciated in all of our conversations about, like, Dad Rock and Green Day that... Bowling for Soup, of all bands, actually wrote a song about how they're not that young rock band anymore, and it's really hard, and they have to maintain their bodies and take care of themselves. And the whole music video is done with puppets. It was done during the pandemic, and it was just, like, the puppet maker's family. And they have, like, kids in it, and it's it's really funny. I actually really enjoyed it. I love that. That sounds awesome. They, I honestly think that they did a tremendous job. They did a really good job with it. It's hilarious. Um, it's actually like exactly what I want from a band that is in rock and roll and has aged, you know? Because you think about Green Day oh, or like Red Hot God. Chili Peppers, and it's like, you guys are dads. So just accept yeah, it. Like, especially and, Green Day with that last album where they're like, no Swedish music producer. And I'm like, why are we hating on Swedish people now? Yeah, at least Swedish people alone. That's so obnoxious old boomer energy. Yeah, so uh, Bowling for Soup actually sort of acknowledges at one point in the song, they're like, you had a heart attack, I've got two bum knees, like everything we did in our childhood was worth it. Or Like it's it's cute, and I feel like it's actually very appropriate. That's awesome, okay. I suggest people check that out. Yeah, that's good. Oh, my bad. I didn't mean to skip you over at all. No, it's okay. I think I was getting antsy because my neighbors are still making noise. And I'm just like, I don't want to give them. I don't want to hear it anymore. Right. You're thinking like, I don't want to keep recording if this is happening. Yeah, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. That's okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So you can can finish up now. I I think I Yeah. The outro is good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, go go check out the Bowling for Soup music video. Go check it out. Enjoy. Uh, love you. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you. Have a goof and a gaff mm-hmm. and a laugh and a splash. Uh, that's mm-hmm. all. A goof and a laugh and a splash. Yeah. I dig it. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> bye bye. Bye.
Do I really have to graduate or can I just stay here for the rest of my life?